calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Mystery Theater presents... This is Christopher Lee, the host of Mystery Theater. Radio combines business with pleasure, and at the junction of art and commerce, the magic word is sponsorship. From 1934... To 1955, the Lux Radio Theatre found a sustaining sponsor in Lux Soap. The result was a bonanza for the show and for Lever Brothers, the makers of Lux Soap. Thanks to its unsurpassed budget and reputation for quality, major stars agreed to appear in hour-long adaptations of popular motion pictures. The example we'll hear features Pat O'Brien, and Lynn Barry. Following that, it will be time to complete A Coffin for the Lady, our three-part thriller from Adventures by Morse. Assuming we remain in the good graces of our sponsors, we'll return after this. Welcome back to Mystery Theater. I'm your host, Christopher Lee. Time now for Pat O'Brien and Lynn Barry in the first half of Grizzly's Millions on the Lux Radio Theater. Lux presents Hollywood. The Lux Radio Theater brings you Grizzly's Millions, starring Pat O'Brien, Lynn Barry, and Elizabeth Risden. Ladies and gentlemen, your guest producer, Mr. Otto Kruger. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Now, the first act of Grizzly's Millions, starring Pat O'Brien as Joe, Lynn Barry as Catherine, and Elizabeth Risden as Leona. stands like the throne of a monarch overlooking his subjects. The huge, sprawling mansion of Grizzly Palmer, looming in regal isolation high against the mountainside of Palmer City, 
founded and named by old Grizzly more than 40 years ago. But Grizzly won't live in his mansion much longer. For the past week, he's been dying. And down in town, his sorrowing relatives talk of nothing else. Relatives like his nephew, for instance, John Fry. John runs the Palmer City Funeral Parlor. Well, let's see now, let's see. Yes, sir, Albert, that's probably the finest casket in the state of Colorado. It's certainly the biggest, Mr. Fry. Uncle Grizzly's orders. Now, let me take a look at that plaque. Hmm, sure you got it centered right? Oh, right in the middle. Grizzly Morgan Palmer, pioneer and founder of Palmer City, Colorado. Born January 1st, 1861, died August the blank, 1944. Well, Albert, I guess that's all we can do for now. Uh, what about the August the blank? Well, we can't engrave the date till Uncle dies, can we? No, I guess we can't. Yeah, it'd be just like that old tightwad to double-cross me and live till September. I thought Doc Rennie promised you. Yeah, and he better be right. Today's the 25th. Mr. Fry, look. Look who's coming, young Tom. Yeah, stick around, Albert. Maybe you can start engraving that date right now. Well, come in, come in, young Tom. You got news, huh? Well? No, he's still alive, John. Oh, he is, huh? Uh, just sent me into town for some last-minute errands. Uh, casket all finished? Take a look. Yeah, send it right up to the house, John. He wants to check up on the job you're doing. Yeah, and I know why he wants it sent out. So Ellison Hayes can seal him up as soon as he dies. Ellison's his lawyer, ain't he? Yeah. Yes, he's got to do it if Grizzly says so. As long as I've worked for him, he's always said so. Said what? That once he's dead, he wants to be buried. Yeah. Don't want folks standing around gaping at him. Be that as it may, he wants that sarcophagus brought up right now. He's lying out there cussing and groaning. Where are you going? To see the rest of the sorrowing relations. He wants you all there tonight to say farewell. I reckon I'll go to the flower shop first and call on June and Fred. Well, be seeing you, young Tom. <laughs> I guess you will at that, John. I'll be 72 next birthday. Won't be long. Hey, what you putting fresh flowers in the wreaths for? Because I know Grandpa's dead. I just know he is. And what if he isn't? Just like throwing two dozen roses out the window. Now, give me them. Fred. What? How long after he's dead will the will be read? Right away. I've told you a hundred times. Then you better get the money right away, because I've got my reservations to Reno. And if you just dare back all down right, on that alibi, right, I'm going to... I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Hello, you two lovebirds. Young Tom. Oh, Grandpa. Grandpa's passed away. Not yet, cheerful. He oh. just wants to kiss you goodbye tonight. Should we come for dinner? After dinner. Oh. Where's Leona Palmer? At her bookshop, of course. Where else would she be? She and that snip of a daughter. Well, just ask. You and your tears. Oh, brother, what a ham. Wipe that silly smile off your stupid face. And start looking for someone else to work <laughs> for you. Say, you don't think I'm going to stay in this two-bit town, do you? Just wait till the funeral's over. Where are you going? Wouldn't you like to know? Wouldn't you like to know? Young Tom. Oh, how is he? Your father-in-law is sinking fast, Leona. Wants everybody up there tonight. Oh, what a shame. Is there anything I can bring in? Maybe a good book. Grizzly wouldn't know what to do with the book, Leona. You know that. He'd probably try to drink it. <laughs> Just you come and bring Maribel. Bye, Leona. Got to see Bob now at the drugstore. What did he say, Mother? Grandpa's sinking fast. Well, it's about time, you drunken old miser. Maribel. Well, it's true. All that money and never giving us a cent. Not even when Father died. Well, don't... And don't upset yourself. We'll soon be far away from Palmer City. Can we take the plane? I want to fly, Mother. I want to fly to Hollywood. We'll be lucky if we get bus tickets. Now turn around. I'll finish fitting your dress. Oh, you do make lovely dresses, Mother. Wait till they see you in this one. 
My baby, an actress in Hollywood. I'll be more than an actress. I'll be a star. And I'll have all the clothes I want. Closets full of clothes and fur coats and hats. Hey. Hey, you the station agent? That's right, brother. That train that just pulled out, did you see a man get off? Yes, saw you get off. You wore a dark blue suit and a gray hat. Oh, him, sure. Asked me the way to old Grizzly Palmer's. Probably a kin coming to the funeral. A little early, though. Grizzly's still hanging on. How do I get to the Palmer place? That's up that way, side of the mountain. Road ain't too good, though. Ask young Tom there. He works for Grizzly. Young Tom? We call him young Tom to tell him apart from his father. Father's old Tom. Who do they call his grandfather? Grandfather? What's he talking about? Hey, Junior. Calling me? Yeah. You mind telling me how to reach Grizzly Palmer's place? You in the old man's wheel, too? No, no, I doubt it. I don't even know who he is. Ain't never heard of Grizzly Palmer? No, nope, ain't never. I'll be darned. He just built this whole town, that's all. Well, this whole big thriving city? Sure did. Come out here with nothing but his bare hands, found himself a gold mine and made a million. I I'm going up to the house now. Give you a lift? No, no thanks. I'll hire a car. I'd just like to know the way. Well, go out that way. Take the first dirt road. Can't miss it. It's all walled in except on the ravine side. Just a great big dump built on top of the mountain. <laughs> Still, Grandpa, you've got to. Then close those blasted windows. Want me to freeze to death? Better close them, Catherine. Yes, Doctor, but I thought you... He said, what does he know? If he were any kind of a doctor, I wouldn't be kicking the bucket. There's only one thing that's <clears throat> killing you, and that's whiskey. Now, look here, Grizzly. Anytime you want another doctor, just say so. I wish you would get Dr. Chester. Dr. Chester. I've forgotten plenty in these backwoods, and I'm not denying uh, it. You call him Palmer City backwoods? Put down that gun, uh, Grizzly. Grandpa, what's the matter with you? Had it under his pillow, Catherine. Had it under his pillow, Catherine. You're not scaring anyone. We know it isn't loaded. Now give it to me. Not loaded, huh? Pull the trigger and see. Oh, you're huh? so smart, aren't you? You're so... <laughs> Stop it. Stop it, will you? Stop it. You're horrible. What if I shot someone? You took the bullets out and I put them in again. Now, let me have it. I certainly won't. I said let me have it. Catherine, there's no point in upsetting him more. Here. That's better. Hello, Grizzly. <laughs> hear the shooting just now? Can't hear nothing outside that door. My granddaughter just tried to murder me. That's a lie. Ah, look, Tom, look, over by the window. John just brought it up from town. How's that for style? Seen it in his shop. My, my, big as a house, ain't it? I want plenty of room in my coffin. When you find out what them kin of yours plan to do with the money, you'll spin around in that thing like a top. What are they planning to do? They're leaving town, all of them, that's what. <coughs> leaving Palmer City? They can't. That's what you think. Yeah, that's what they think. The lawyer's downstairs going over my papers. Get him up here. Get him up here. Now, don't get yourself all excited over nothing. I said to get Allison Hayes. Sure, Grizzly. Ready, go on. Get out. Get out. Get I'm out. going. <laughs> Palmer City. Palmer City was named after me. And when I'm gone, I want Palmer's living here. It's not fair to keep them if they want to leave. Hey, they could have left any time they wanted to. You left, didn't you? Yes, I left. And they saw what happened to me when I did. I warned you. I said I'd take you out of my will, and I did. But that didn't stop you from eloping with that fancy little gambler, did it? Lucky for you, Bentley died. You're lucky you're a widow. Oh, stop it. All right, he died. And I came crawling back. 
And I also know I'm buried here now for good. I meant it about cutting you off after you left. I never expected you to change your mind. And I haven't. All right. <clears throat> Catherine, uh, when, when I'm gone, what are you going to do? Oh, maybe I'll help Aunt Leon in the shop. She's the only one I care about. Leona? Yeah, she's a good woman, as women go. The others are all right in their way, Grandpa. Don't tie any strings to what you leave them. I don't want a penny of my money to get out of this town. I found it here, and they're going to spend it here or nowhere. Now go see what's keeping that lawyer. I got to see him now. Now. Catherine? Oh, come in, Ellison. Well, you were right. He insisted on changing the will. Oh, but that's terrible. He's let them count on it all their lives. You care about them. They've never worried about you. I know how it is to want to get away from here. I'm sorry I'm not a more successful man, Catherine. Maybe if I'd left here, I would have been, but, well, I always thought this town would grow and that I'd grow with it. If only my position were different, I wouldn't hesitate a second to ask you. To ask me what? But to marry me, of course. You've never guessed. Ellison, I... I'm never going to marry again. Oh, but just because you were unlucky once, dear, that doesn't no, mean that... No, please. I like you, you know that. But I'm much happier the way I am. Happy? You're not even alive. You haven't been since you came back. I meant what I said, Ellison. Hello? Yes, just a minute. Oh, it's the gatekeeper, Catherine. There's a man to see you, a Harry Walsh. Walsh? He says it's important. Oh, he's a... He was a friend of my husband's. Uh, ask him to come up. All right. Hello? Now let him in. I'll be in the study, Catherine. Got a lot of papers to get in shape. Call me if you need anything. Thank you for everything, Ellison. She's there in the parlor, Mr. Walsh. Thanks. Well, Catherine. Lewis. That all you can say? Or was she the old dame who showed me in? Young Tom's wife, Maddie. Don't worry, she never met you. Well, I'm not worried about a thing, Catherine. Mind if I put down my hat? Well, surprised to see your husband? Why did you use that other name? Why? Because you wouldn't have let me in. Keep staring at me. If I change so much? Well, a couple of years in jail would change anybody. So you've been telling people you're a widow. I told them that when I came back here. Couldn't get a divorce, could you? I never tried. When I left you, Lewis, you weren't my husband anymore. That's not what the law says. Meaning what? Meaning that I have every right to share in what is called your worldly goods. I was in Denver a couple of days ago. Paper said old Grizzly was just about dead. He's leaving me nothing. I was cut out when I ran off with you. But you came back. You've got a right to your share of his money, and you're going to get it. I don't want it. No? Well, I do. We're going to get it if I have to wring it out of him penny by penny. Where is he? Upstairs, of course. He's very sick. He'll be sicker when he sees me. You can't go up there. Who's going to stop me? Get out of here or I'll call the police. Lewis, come back. Lewis! Just a minute. I'm coming. You don't have to open the gates. All I want is a little information. Did a fellow in a dark blue suit and a gray hat come through here? You mean uh, Mr. Walsh? I don't know. One name's as good as another. When did he go in? Oh, a half hour ago. Uh, want me to phone the house? No, no thanks. I'll wait here and surprise him. Oh, uh, you think he might come out some other gate? Oh, there ain't any other gate. Uh, this is the only way in and the only way out. Uh, unless he's an angel. No, no, he's no angel. You're the gatekeeper, huh? That's right. Well, here's a couple of bucks. 
I'll put the car down the road, and then I'll walk back here. And just so it won't spoil the surprise, you won't tell anybody I'm here, okay? Well, uh, sure, and thanks. Well, uh, thanks a lot. Mr. Palmer, may I come in? It's Hayes, Mr. Palmer. Mr. Palmer? Catherine. Catherine, what are you doing? Look. What are you trying... Who is this man? What's happened? He's been shot. You'd better call Dr. Rennie. He's dead? Yes. Well, what happened? Tell me quick before he anyone else... He forced his way in here. I tried to stop him. He, he wanted money. But who is he? My husband. That's Lewis Bentley? Yes. Bentley, but you he said... He used that... the name of Walsh just to get in here. He heard grandfather was dying and came to demand part of his estate. I hated him so. I always hated him. And you... You shot him? Shot him, but I didn't. I followed Lewis up here. Grandfather was furious. They argued for a couple of minutes, and Lewis said something. Grandfather grabbed the gun and, and shot him. Your grandfather? But Catherine, he... What's the matter with him? Grandfather! Mr. Palmer! Mr. Palmer! Catherine. Yes? Your grandfather couldn't have killed Bentley. Your grandfather's dead. Oh. Now, come on, get hold of yourself here. You must... You say your grandfather shot him. It may be just as well if we leave it that way. Ellison, I didn't kill him. I didn't. Is this the gun? Yes. Yes, yeah, not much question about that. We can smell the gunpowder. Here, hold it a second, dear. I'd better... Oh, the gun. What a fool. What have I done? Done? Fingerprints. I picked up the gun and now you've been handling it. Catherine, we've got to do something. Don't you see how all this looks? Your grandfather can't tell them what happened. And you must admit it's a terribly thin story you've told. Oh, you believe me? Because I want to. I want to protect you so everybody will believe you. Bentley. Would the gatekeeper have recognized Bentley? He never saw him before. No one in town knew him. Then if we could get him out of here without anyone seeing him, we wouldn't have to tell about it at all. What are you thinking of? I didn't kill him. I'm thinking of your safety. Your life, maybe. I can get rid of the gun, but Bentley's body... Even if I got him past the gate, what would I do with him then? Oh, if we only had time, if... Wait a minute. A casket. It's a very large casket. And your grandfather, he gave me the orders. Everyone knows that. He was to be buried at once. At once. Ellison, you're out of your mind. Ellison, no. No, you can't do that. You can't. In just a moment, Mr. Kruger and our stars will return with Act Two of Grizzly's Millions. That's the first half of Grizzly's Millions on the Lux Radio Theater. I'll have more after these words. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. 
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. This is Christopher Lee welcoming you back to Mystery Theater. Let's return now to Grizzly's Millions on the Lux Radio Theater. Act two of Grizzly's Millions, starring Pat O'Brien as Joe, Lynn Barry as Catherine, and Elizabeth Risden as Leona. Everyone in Palmer City knows that Grizzly Palmer died yesterday of heart failure and alcohol. Everyone also knows that his last instructions were carried out to the letter. He did not wish to be viewed, and no one has viewed him. The casket was sealed immediately, and now in Palmer City the funeral is over. Outside the church, Ellison Hayes comes quickly to Catherine. My car's at the curb. Get in. We can't let this go on, Ellison. We can't. Stop worrying. We had plenty of time yesterday to take care of Bentley. That's the last place in the world they think of looking for him. I'm going to the police. You want to be tried for murder? Well, it couldn't be any worse than this. I've got to tell Ellison. And what about me? Who hid Bentley and then did what, what had to be done? Only tried to help you. But the police don't call that help. They call it accessory after the fact. Why did I let you do it? Why? Darling, you really haven't done anything wrong. Grizzly killed Bentley and Grizzly's dead. In time, we'll both forget all about it. By the way... Are you able to burn Bentley's hat? No, not yet. It's still in the hall closet. I'll do it as soon as you get home. Come on, now buck up. We'll drive out to the cemetery. Oh, uh, Mrs. Bentley. Yes? I'm sorry to bother you at a time like this. My name is Joe Simmons. I tried to see you this morning, but the gatekeeper... Surely you understand, Mr. Simmons. Oh, excuse me, this is Mr. Hayes. How are you? How do you do? I, uh... I'd like to talk to you, Mrs. Bentley, on business. Well, I'm Mrs. Bentley's lawyer. What kind of business? About Mr. Bentley. I'd like to see him. I'm a widow, Mr. Simmons. My husband is dead. Oh. Well, do you suppose I could see you later, say about 4 o'clock? I'm afraid that's impossible. All the relatives will be at the house at 4 o'clock. I'm reading Mr. Palmer's will. Mm-hmm, I see. Well, uh, maybe some other time. Goodbye, Mrs. Bentley. Now, if you good people will stifle your tears, I'll get to the subjects closest to your hearts. Grizzly Palmer's will. Listen carefully, please. I, Grizzly Morgan Palmer, being of sound mind, who hereby instruct my executors, Ellison Hayes and Dr. William Rennie, in the disposal of my worldly goods. First, to my faithful servants, Thomas and Matty Parker, I bequeath an annuity of $500 a month for as long as either of them shall live. Second, and finally, the remainder of all my property and personal effects I bequeath to my granddaughter, Catherine Palmer Bentley, to have and to hold for her lifetime, at her death to be divided equally among my other heirs, at which time I hope they will be too old to think of leaving Palmer City. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the will. Oh, you promised me that he'd leave you at least 100000 You promised me the day we were oh, married. Oh, shut up. Oh, the shock of it. I've been counting on it. I even bought some Oh, mother, what'll we do? Oh, I hope he just burns in everlasting misery. Maribel, what a thing to say. Well, it's the truth. With that expression on your face, dear, you wouldn't want it to get wrinkled that way, would you? I'm, I'm really sorry, Aunt Leona. My dear, it certainly isn't your fault. I didn't know he'd changed his will. You know I didn't ask him to. I know you didn't. 
But my poor baby is certainly very, very disappointed. Now they've all gone, Catherine. Why did you let him change the will? You know I didn't want his money. I simply carried out his instructions, dear. But Catherine, I want to tell you, please don't think I asked you to marry me because of the money. It doesn't matter. But it does. I care a great deal about you. You've done a great deal to protect me, Ellison, I know. I want to go on protecting you. You will, won't you? Marry you? Well, I think you'd feel safer if legally we couldn't be forced to testify against each other. Well, it's not that I want... Hey, Miss Catherine, a man here to see you. Hello, Mrs. Bentley. Mr. Hayes. I thought Mrs. Bentley told you she... Come in, Mr. Simmons. I'll phone you tonight, Ellison. All right. Goodbye, my dear. Well, you must be a very persuasive man, Mr. Simmons. The gatekeeper had orders to keep everyone out except the family. Well, once in a while, this makes me one of the family. I hate to have to flash it. It kind of scares people and spreads talk. I see. Policeman. There's been a series of very phony deals all through the Northwest, Mrs. Bentley. All of them involving your husband. I followed him from Seattle to Frisco to Denver and now to Palmer City. But I'm getting kind of tired now and I want to see him. He isn't here. He went through that gate yesterday and he hasn't come out. This is a very big house, Mr. Simmons, and the estate runs for miles. But you're welcome to search. I've already started. You have? Out there in the hall while I was waiting just now. There's a hat in the hall closet. The same gray hat I followed all the way from Seattle. I can only repeat he's not here. If you're ready to continue your search, I'll have the servants show you around. Thanks, I'm ready. breakfast, Miss Catherine. How are you feeling? Oh, all right, Maddie. Is he still here, Mr. Simmons? Searched the house till way past midnight and was at it again at five o'clock. Oh, I wish he'd go away. I wish I could go away. Well, why don't you? I mean, for a ride, maybe. Some fresh air do you good. You could ride up to the cabin. Young Tom's got your boots all nice and shined. Maybe I will. Of course, it looks like rain gonna pour before sundown. Oh, let it pour, Maddie. I have a feeling that even getting caught in a storm would do me good right now. Be quiet. Nice horse. Nice horse. Oh, shut up, horse. Hello, Mr. Simmons. Haven't you enough sense to come in out of the rain? Oh, hello. No, Mr. Bentley's not in here either. Say, it's uh, kind of wet, isn't it? Come in. Thanks. But on one condition. No more questions. Okay, no more questions. Sit down by the fire. Got some coffee going. How'd a girl like you ever come to marry a heel like Bentley? I don't know. Except I was very young at the time. Furious because my grandfather wouldn't let me leave Palmer City. Not even to go to college. And then I... Bentley came along. He meant escape, excitement, everything. We ran off, got married, and started traveling. I soon found out we had a good reason for traveling. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, I stood it as long as I could, then I left him and came back. I told him that, that Lewis had died. What did he do, Bentley? No questions, remember? Look, I don't enjoy running down Chisler's, not when it involves people like you. My husband was here, and now he's gone. That's all I know. Bentley hasn't left town. He hasn't even gone through those iron gates. No, because he went out another way. That's the only way. I've looked around and made sure. 
There's a way no one else knows. Only Ellison Hayes. It's across the ravine. A big tree fell across the ravine years ago. It made a kind of bridge. It's dangerous, but you can cross and get out through the lower orchard. I used it all the time when I was forbidden to see Lewis. You want me to believe that Bentley left that way? It's obvious, isn't it? I'd like to take a look at that tree. Can it wait until after coffee? Um, yeah, I guess so. Say, that, that's, that smells wonderful. Be careful. Look, you better come back. In a minute. Besides, if I fall, I'd only hit that ledge. Well, we don't issue any guarantees. Say, how deep's the ravine? About 200 feet. Yeah. Say, you must have had a terrific yen for Bentley. Look out! Oh, what was that? Come back here. Yeah. The edge of the ravine, it keeps falling away whenever there's a heavy rain. Well, I guess you were right. The bridge has been used recently. How could you tell? What? I mean, well, I thought the rain would have washed away his traces. Rain doesn't wash away vines. The tree is covered with vines. They've been cut. Then you believe me. I believe what my eyes see. It's the same thing. Oh, it's nothing of the sort. Bentley never got out this way, and you're amazed that I found out it's been used at all. Now, why don't you tell me the truth? I tell you he's gone. Why don't you leave, too? You'll never find him here, and you'll only make trouble for me. You don't need any help when it comes to making trouble. Look, uh, take a tip from a guy who's seen a lot of people in trouble, Mrs. Bentley. There's always someone who can run just a little bit faster than you can. Why don't you slow down and turn around? All right. Be at the house this afternoon. I'm going to call the police chief. Adams? Yes, I'd like you there, too. Well, that's more like it. That's a lot more like it, Mrs. Bentley. When I came here to your office, Ellison, I thought you should know what I'm going to do. What happens to me when you tell them the truth? I intend telling just one more lie, that you had nothing to do with it. You'll be tried for murder. The people who know me won't believe it. I know you. So you still think I killed him? And you still want to marry me? Oh, no. It couldn't have been the money, could it, Ellison? You're not very grateful, Catherine. I'm willing to marry you, so I can't be forced to testify that I practically saw you kill Bentley. To the legal mind, isn't that blackmail? I'm warning you. Don't go to the police. I'm sorry I waited this long. Catherine, listen to reason. I... Yes, who is it? It's me, Allison, Maribel. Well, come in. Oh, Allison, come over to the shop right away. The most exciting thing. Oh, hello, Catherine. Hello, Maribel. Sit down. I'm just leaving. Goodbye, Allison. Goodbye, Catherine. Well, speak of the devil. What are you trying to tell me? Guess who's in the shop? Dr. Rennie and the police chief, and they're talking to Mother. Why? Well, the police got an anonymous note, and guess what it said? It said that my dear grandfather didn't just die of drinking too much. He was poisoned. Poisoned? Yes, and that Catherine did it. Well. Ellison, if we can prove it's true, then the money would all come to the rest of us, wouldn't it? You'd be a very wealthy young lady, Maribel. Oh, and I can go to California just like I planned. Oh, no. Well, why not? Just when you're beginning to grow up into about the prettiest girl I've ever seen. Why, Ellison. Well, I guess you and I had better run down to the shop right away. It's just 
Plain, malicious rubbish, Allison. Somebody wrote this note to get even with Catherine. Is that what you think, Chief? I hate anonymous letters, but something like this can't be disregarded. You, Doctor? The note says Grizzly was poisoned. If that's true, then as a doctor, I've made a horrible mistake. Right or wrong, I must know the truth. Anybody can make a mistake, Doc. Grizzly drank so much uh, uh, liquor, uh, enough to kill ten men. I might have only looked for what I expected. I, I'm, I'm not the doctor I used to be. I, I told Grizzly to get someone else. Maybe he was poisoned. I don't know. But I do know Catherine would never do it. What possible reason would she have? She didn't even know he changed his will. Is that what she told you? Why, she... She what? Come on, Ellison. Well, Grizzly told me she'd been after him for months to change the will. And the minute he did, she killed him. Mary Bell. Oh, no, I can't believe it. Though it did seem curious why she insisted on the coffin being sealed right away. But you said Grizzly re requested that. He wanted it that way. No. Catherine asked me to say it. Well, are we just going to stand around here and let her get away? Now, wait a minute. We're jumping to conclusions awful fast. Sorry to interrupt, Chief. Yeah? Catherine Bentley just stopped by the station. Asked, could you come out to the house? You and Dr. Rennie, she'd like to see you. Hello, Adams speaking. Oh, Chief, this is Hayes. Yeah, listen. I, um, I just wondered if you found out anything. She got awful mad when I told her about the note and how come Grizzly was buried so quick. Angry, huh? Yeah, didn't have a chance to ask her much more. What do you mean? Well, we decided as long as there's any suspicion of Grizzly being poisoned, there was only one thing we could do. Exhume the body tonight and hold a postmortem. Oh, what did Catherine have to say about that? She didn't say anything. She went white as a sheet and fell to the floor. Awake yet, Maddie? No, she ain't awake yet. You mind if I wait here? Certainly I mind. Why didn't you go back to town with Adams and the doctor? Pound and hurdle, she faints and then sitting here ready to pounce on her the second she wakes up. What did Ronnie give her? Just a pill to put her to sleep. It's all right. I'm awake. How do you feel, dear? A little groggy. Maddie? Yes? Do you mind? I think Mr. Simmons wants to talk to me alone. Alone? In your bedroom? We'll observe all the house rules, Maddie. You can leave the door wide open. You bet I will. Well? You promised me the truth about Bentley. Tell me something first. Are they really going to do it? Are they really going to open the grave? Yes, I'm afraid so. When? Right away tonight. Look, Mrs. Bentley. Your grandfather's grave is Adam's worry, not mine. Now... Really, I hate to keep the needle on the same record, but I still want to know where Bentley is. I think you will be interested in my grandfather's grave because that's where you'll also find Lewis Bentley. And whatever you must be thinking of me now, you don't have to say it. I deserve anything that happens to me. It was a horrible thing to do, Mrs. Bentley. It was also very stupid. All you had to do was tell the jury you killed him in self-defense. And with his record... Well, they'd have pinned the medal on you. Who says I killed him? He broke into the room. They quarreled, and my grandfather shot him. And then the old man died of shock. Yes. And why did you try to hide Bentley? Because he told me I'd be arrested for murder, that nobody would believe me. Who told you that? My, my grandfather, before he died. Well, I stopped running away from trouble, didn't I, Mr. Simmons? Only it seems I've turned around to face it a little too late. Well, I was sent here to find Bentley, and it seems I've done that. Of course, I'll have to be at the post-mortem. Uh, look, about the old man being poisoned. Is there any truth in that? That's too ridiculous even to answer. You want some advice? If you haven't any more on your conscience than Bentley, stay and face it. 
But if there's more, then, well, that I don't know about, then, then I guess you couldn't make things any worse if you did run away. Well, that's all I have to say, because I shouldn't have said that. I probably won't be seeing you anymore, Mrs. Bentley. I wish I could help you. Thank you. Well, good night. Good luck. Good night. Number, please. 791. Hello? Ellison? Yes? Catherine, I thought I should warn you. They're going to open the grave tonight. But no matter what happens, I want you to know I'm not going to involve you. You can count on that. I don't think I can count on anything. There's only one thing I can do. I've got to get there before the authorities... Oh, you can't. That's ghastly. Keep quiet. Never should have tried to help you. But now that I'm in it, I've got to see it through. I'm leaving here right now. I'll meet you in the lower orchard. And hurry now before we're both hanged. No, please. Don't even try to do that. You'll be caught. Ellison, don't you hear me? You can't do it because I've already told. Hello. Hello, Ellison. Answer me, Ellison. I know you're still there. I can hear your breathing. I can hear your wristwatch ticking. Ellison. Hello. Hello. I... Who's there? Who is listening on the extension? Tom? Matty, where is everybody? Who is at that phone? I can see you. Tom, is that you? Wait, who is it? Who is it? Two hours have passed since Catherine rushed into the night in pursuit of a shadowy figure. Someone who ran swift and sure to the fallen tree that bridges the ravine. Then paused there and waited for the girl. Meanwhile, in Palmer City, Police Chief Adams, Dr. Rennie, and Joe Simmons have made two ugly discoveries. They have found the body of Lewis Bentley. They've also found that Grizzly Palmer died of arsenic poisoning. Joe has suddenly decided to drive back to the Palmer Mansion. With him, white and shaken, is Dr. Rennie. I'm not fit to be a doctor. Why, any first-year intern knows arsenic poisoning pretty sees it, but not me, no, no. I, I blamed it on the liquor he drank. Take it easy, Willie. The old man was murdered. If it hadn't been arsenic, it would have been something else. Oh. Why are you going back to the house? You found your man. You found Bentley. Oh. What do you mean, oh? You're going to arrest Catherine. No, that's Adam's job. He's coming to get her in the morning. I've known Catherine all her life. Would have sworn she'd never hurt a fly. Then off she goes and kills both of them. How can you figure it out? I can't. That's why I'm going back. I just can't figure it out. Slow up, son. There's the gate. Hey, what do you want around here this time of night? All right, open the gates and hurry up. Oh, the detective. Yeah. Mrs. Bentley asleep? Uh, how in thunder would I know that? Oh, uh, evening, Doc. Has she gone out, has she? Uh, no, mister. She hadn't gone out. That's all I want to know. But where could she have gone? Even if Catherine wanted to, how could she escape? The gateman said Wait a that... minute. They're coming back, young Tom and Maddie. She ain't here. She ain't nowhere's in the house. What are you trying to do? What do you want of her? Stay here, the three of you. Keep searching. I'll be back later. Where are you going? To the ravine. Don't stand there. Look for her. <laughs> Hang on now. Just a couple of feet more. There. There. Okay. You hadn't have come. If you hadn't have come. No, 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 no. Don't try to get up. Just, just rest a minute. You're all right. All right. Go ahead and ball if you want to. 
Couldn't have held on much longer. It was awful. You knew that tree wasn't safe. You shouldn't have tried to get out that way. What if you hadn't landed on the ledge? What if I hadn't come when I did? For a girl as smart as you, you pulled some of the dumbest tricks I've ever seen. But I wasn't trying to cross. Oh, no. I wasn't. Someone pushed me. Oh, now, look. There was someone in the house tonight. I followed him here. Then suddenly someone or something came up out of the darkness and tried to... Tried to, tried to shove you over? Yes. Well, if it weren't for the ledge, you've got to believe me, Joe. Oh, so now it's Joe, huh? Okay, as a matter of fact, I kind of like that. But I don't like your story. Who'd want to do a thing like that? I don't know. Did anyone know you were running away? I wasn't running away. Why would I want to run away? For two of the best reasons in the world. They opened the grave. I'm glad they did. Before anyone else could get there. What are you trying to? Nothing. They held a post-mortem. Adams is picking you up in the morning. Suddenly, I, I feel as if I were clean again. Oh, I had no business coming back, but, well, I just can't stand to see you get caught. I want to help you. I guess I'm just the main number one sucker. So that's what you think? Sure, that's what I think. Because I care what happens to a girl who do the things that you do. Bentley, I can understand and forget. But the old man, that, that's something else. To poison an old guy who trusted you. Poison? What are you talking about? I won't be accused of such a thing. Whoever sent that anonymous note knew what he was talking about. Arsenic. I didn't do it. I didn't. I've only been trying to hide something I didn't do. Then why were you running away? But I wasn't, Joe. Can't you understand? Somebody killed my grandfather, and whoever it was, he tried to kill me, too. Look at me. You didn't do it, did you? No, Joe. No. I want to believe that. I gotta believe it. I don't know why, but... See, all at once, it's like Christmas morning. As a matter of fact, it is morning. Come on, we're going back to the house. What are you going to do? That's my racket catching murderers, and this is one I'm going to enjoy catching. Come on, give me your hand. I'll help you up. Thanks. <gasps> What's the matter? My hands, they're all cut. Let me see. Well, come on, we better hurry. <laughs> More from the Lux Radio Theater after this. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, and Suspense, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Now, the conclusion of Grizzly's Millions on the Lux Radio Theater. And now... Otto Kruger returns to the microphone. Act three of Grizzly's Millions, starring Pat O'Brien as Joe, Lynn Barry as Catherine, and Elizabeth Risden as Leona. (laughs) 
She's all right, isn't she, Doc? A few bruises. Her hands were cut up a bit, too. She's going to bed. Really, Joe, I simply can't understand. Yeah, yeah, I know. It took me a little while, too. Look, uh, Doc, whoever killed Grizzly Palmer tried to murder Catherine. Except no one would have called it murder. Everything would have pointed towards suicide. I'm very fond of that girl. I hope you're right. Where's young Tom and Maddie? Gone back to their rooms. Good. Get Adams on the phone. Tell him Catherine's had an accident. She's unconscious. Unconscious? Tell him she is. Tell him she's in no condition to talk for another 24 hours and, um, see, it's... It's almost dawn now. Tell Adams it's absolutely impossible for Catherine to leave here all day. And what about you? He knows you came here. I'll explain everything to him later on. But right now I want you to lay it on good. Tell him I've gone, Catherine's all alone, and... Now, if you do that, in a couple of hours, everybody in town is going to know about it. Then the murderer will know about it, too. And that's just what I want. He'll know he'll have to finish the job tonight. I don't think I can stand this much longer, Joe. What time is it? It's almost 11. I better get back to my closet. Who's in the house? Only Maddie. Doc Rennie made up an excuse to get young time into town. The doctor, where is he? I spotted him near the gate. And Mr. Adams? On the grounds. Oh. What's the matter? My hands. I still don't know how you were able to hang onto the ledge with your hands cut like that. I didn't cut them until you were pulling me up. Your glasses must have dropped. My glasses? They must have fallen out of your pocket. I don't wear glasses. But I saw them there. The broken glass and frame. Wait a minute. Ellison Hayes wears glasses, doesn't he? Yes, to read with. You spoke with him on the phone last night. He told you to go to the ravine. It all fits in, Catherine. Ellison? Of course he wanted you to marry him. He'd get all the money. He talked Grizzly into leaving everything to you. And then when you turned him down, when you were going to tell the police about the grave, he figured he had to get rid of you. Now, if I can find those broken glasses, if I can prove they were Ellison's... There's only one oculist in town, Richardson. He lives right over his office. No, I couldn't leave you alone that long. Ellison may be too close. Wait a minute, I'll phone him. What's his number? 791. Operator. Hello? 791. Hello? Uh, Mr. Hayes? Mr. Simmons, I'd like to stop by and talk to you for a minute. Are you going to be in? Sorry, I was just leaving. I'd appreciate it if you'd wait. I can be there in half an hour. All right. I'll wait a half hour. Thanks. I'll hurry. Joe, you can't make it in half an hour. I know it. But Hayes won't dare go out now till I see him. No, you just relax. I'll be back before you know it. I'll, I'll send Maddie in to stay with you. Be careful, Joe. Sure. Maddie. Oh, Maddie. Maddie went into town, Mr. Simmons. Who's that? Oh, hello, Aunt Leona. Maddie phoned me and asked me to sit with Catherine. Oh, gee, that's fine. I just the second got here. Don't leave her, will you? Oh, of course not. Is she still unconscious? Well, yes. I brought her some nice hot soup. I'm sure it'll do her good. You know what, Aunt Leona? I think Catherine may come to at that. Mm-hmm. You just tell her that Joe said to sit up and drink her soup. Well, if you say so, Mr. Simmons. Go on in now and turn on the light. Bye. Goodbye, Mr. Simmons. Catherine. Catherine, dear. Mr. Simmons told me to tell you to sit up and drink your soup. Catherine, can you hear me? Hello, Aunt Leona. Well, look at you. They told me in town you were still unconscious. Did you say soup? Yes, dear. Mm, wonderful. I'm starved. Catherine, I just don't understand all this. Don't try to. It's pretty complicated. Just try to believe that I've done nothing wrong and all this, well, it's, 
It's just a means of catching a murderer. And you know who it is? I, I think I do. Joe's gone into town to verify it. Be prepared for a shock, Aunt Leona. You'll know who it is by morning. Yes, dear. Drink your soup now while it's nice and hot. Well, what's your rush? Mrs. Vandler's? Oh, she'll be all right. Just open the gate. You didn't leave her all alone up there, did you? I let Meta through here just a little while ago. Of course she's not alone. Her aunt's there. Leona Palmer? Yeah. Well, how could Leona Palmer be in there? She didn't come through here. What did you say? I said Leona Palmer didn't come through these gates. Oh, the soup was wonderful, Aunt Leona. Oh, I was so sleepy. Do you good to rest, and I'll sit here with you. Aunt Leona? Yes? You... you look so different. Your eyes... <laughs> Grandma, what big eyes you have. That's because I'm wearing my sewing glasses. They have such thick lenses, dear. I lost my other glasses last night. I can't imagine where. Lost your glasses? It's too bad. Lots of glasses lost. My hands. Cut my hands on somebody's glasses. You did what? Aunt Leona. Maddie. Would you ask Maddie to come here? Matt is in town, dear. Everyone's in town. I, I think I'll... Dr. Rennie, get Dr. Rennie. I'm beginning to hurt all over. Stay where you are, dear. Please. Please what? Please go away. No, Catherine, I can't do that. I think I could sleep if you just left me alone. You will sleep. I wanted you to go to sleep quietly, never knowing. But you do know, don't you? I can see that you know. I thought I was being so careful. I never realized I dropped my glasses at the ravine. You pushed me. I didn't want to do it. I didn't mind killing Grizzly. I had to so that Maribel could have the money while she was young and lovely. I wanted to see her out of this dusty little town with the whole world giving her everything she should have. And then he found out that we planned to leave here. He changed his will, left everything to you. You who didn't need it or want it. Do you hear me, Catherine? Mm -hmm. You didn't think that mousy little Aunt Leona could make a plan like that, did you? You never remembered how you confided in me about the tree over the ravine. Now you used to sneak out and meet Lewis Bentley. I used that bridge night after night. I put the poison in Grizzly's liquor. I came back here to see how close to death he was. I saw Grizzly shoot Lewis. I saw Grizzly die, and I was glad. Then Ellison read the will, and I knew that before Maribel could be free, I had to get rid of you, too. <gasps> Hey, listen, what a stupid young man. He had his plans, too, didn't he? He doesn't know about me, but all the time he was helping me and not knowing it. Of course, he wanted to get you at the cemetery. He knew they'd find you. He knew when he spoke to you they were already there, Chief Adams and the rest. Yes, I know all about it. I was the one you heard on the telephone extension. I was the one you followed. I didn't like to do it, Catherine. I'm sorry to have to do this now, but I must for my daughter. A pillow over your face. It, it won't hurt you, dear. The soup you drank, there were sleeping powders in it. I've saved some to take myself. When they come back, they'll find us. Except I'll only be asleep. The pillow. The pillow. Get away from her. Hurry, Joe. Black coffee. How is she, can you tell? Sleeping powders, she said. Come on now. 
Get some egg whites and salt water and put that coffee on. How is she? Can't you tell? We'll know in a little while. We've got to keep her on her feet. I'll... The owner. The owner's gone. Let us go. Adams is out there. Doc, you got to save her. You got to. Keep her walking around the room, Joe. Look, you see? She's coming around. Catherine. Catherine. I said keep her walking. Oh, I'll walk till my feet drop off. I doubt if that'll be necessary. Another half hour, maybe. Doc, Simmons. In here, Chief. How is she? Oh, she's, she'll be all right. And Leona? Dead. We chased her to that tree you told us about, Simmons. She started over it like a cat. Then I don't know what happened. Whether she did it on purpose or not. Anyway, she stopped for a second, and it was almost like she was praying. We found her at the bottom of the ravine. Poor devil. Well, she was like a devil. Made my blood run cold listening to her. She confessed everything. Joe and I heard her outside the door. Well, lucky we're here to hear her. That's all I can say. If that caveman hadn't called me back, I'd still be chasing Allison Hayes. He'll be taken care of if you ask me. Hey, I do something. Hey, Doc. Look at her eyes. She's opening her eyes. Catherine. Joe. Joe. Well, Chief, suppose you and I go downstairs and get us a nice cup of coffee. Coffee? There's a whole pot of it right under your nose. I said, suppose we go downstairs and get us some coffee. Oh. Oh, sure. Sure does. Joe, darling. Joe? Wake up, sleepyhead. It's going to be a wonderful day. And now our stars of the evening, Pat O'Brien, Lynn Berry, and Elizabeth Risden, come to the footlights to receive our thanks for their spine-tingling and most excellent performances. <laughs> it seems to me, Otto, that you're, well, you're taking it pretty easy tonight. So well, Pat, when you get to be my line. age, you deserve to take it easy. You mean as the years wear on and I begin to shave that I can look forward to producing luck some Monday night? I think so, Sonny. I can pick my own leading lady, Pop. It's quite a responsibility, Pat, picking the right girl for the right part. Well, it's the kind of responsibility I'd like to take on when I'm young. Well, uh, maybe we can make a deal, Pat. If you produce Lux, uh, will you use me in the cast? If we have a good juvenile role, Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> I must say, Otto, Elizabeth makes a pretty scary murderess for someone so gentle in real life. I'm wondering about my patients at the Sawtell Veterans Hospital, where I work as a Red Cross nurse's aide. Well, how come you're worrying, Elizabeth? Well, they've been listening tonight, and they've never seen this other side of my nature. When I bring them their trays tomorrow... <laughs> <laughs> well, they've been scared to touch a thing, and I don't blame them. Pat, don't tell me you're easily frightened. The great detective who always makes him come clean... Yes, Lynn, but I believe in making them come clean the easy way. <laughs> By giving them Lux Toilet Soap. <laughs> well, I can tell from Lynn's lovely complexion that she has her own Lux Toilet Soap. Yes, Otto, I use it faithfully. It's really a wonderful complexion care. Yes, I agree, Lynn. I've been in pictures a long time. I'm always swarmed by Lux. Well, the best way I know of saying thanks is to tell you of a treat that we've got in store for you all. <laughs> this treat is in store for you next Monday night. What is it, Otto? A play that's truly epic. 
Charles Dickens' masterpiece, A Tale of Two Cities, starring Orson Welles and Rosemary DeCamp. It's the immortal drama of a great love and a thrilling sacrifice against the exciting background of the 18th century French Revolution. Well, congratulations, Otto. It's a great story. We'll be listening. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night, and thanks a million. A Grizzlies million. Our sponsors, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, join me in inviting you to be with us again next Monday night when Lux Radio Theater presents Orson Welles and Rosemary DeCamp in A Tale of Two Cities. Heard in tonight's play were Carlton Cadell, Franklin Parker, Paul Theodore, Norman Field, Eddie Marr, Ann Stone, Gloria Fisher, Earl Keane, Joe Granby, Griff Barnett, Ed Emerson, Horace Murphy, Charles Seal, and Gwen Delano. Our music was directed by Louis Silvers. This program is broadcast to our fighting forces overseas through cooperation with the Armed Forces Radio Service. And this is your announcer, John N. Kennedy, reminding you to tune in again next Monday night to hear A Tale of Two Cities with Orson Welles and Rosemary DeCamp. That's Pat O'Brien and Lynn Barry in Grizzly's Millions on the Lux Radio Theater from March the 19th, 1945. In a moment, Adventures by Morse. This is Christopher Lee welcoming you back to Mystery Theater. Now for the exciting conclusion to A Coffin for the Lady from Adventures by Morse. This one is titled The Deepest Grave in the World. Adventures by Morse. Carlton E. Morse presents... A Coffin for the Lady, featuring Captain Friday. If you like high adventure, come with me. If you like the stealth of intrigue, come with me. If you like blood and thunder... Come with me. Ten o'clock, in the dead black of a northern night on the Port Lancer waterfront, far up the Canadian coastline. On the steamship, whose stern lights can still be seen growing dimmer by the second, there is a casket. In the casket is Judith Wright, alive, conscious, and for some strange reason cooperating with her kidnappers, who are whisking her away under the very noses of her would-be rescuers. On the rickety makeshift wharf of Port Lancer are Captain Bart Friday, his fellow operative, Skip Turner, and Major Lawrence. Yes, the same Major Lawrence of Army Intelligence who got Captain Friday into this, and was supposed to have been killed back on Marmaduke Island, where Friday and Skip first picked up the girl. How is it the Major is alive? But never mind that now. Captain Friday wants action, and he wants it in a hurry. Major Lawrence, if you've got any influence, use it now. What do you want? Can you get a speed launch, something that can run circles around that steamship that's getting away from us? It's important. Important! Man, don't you realize that Judith Wright is on that ship? You must be wrong. I was standing over there by the gangplank, checking every person. Do we have to argue the girl went aboard in a coffin? Coffin? Well, come along, both of you. Hey, Captain, you realize we're leaving that bird English where he lay after you socked him? Well, your eyes, Skip. What you mean? Didn't you see those two men sniffing around the body? Well, yeah, but I thought they was a couple of natives. Oh, Major Lawrence's men. 
They'll look after English. Come on down these steps. Look lively in the dark. They're rickety. Ah, what do we got down here? Government patrol launch. Watch your step. Hey, this is a little beauty. Ahoy, Commander. Aye, aye, Major Lawrence. We're coming aboard the launch. I want to stop that steamer before she gets out into open water. Come aboard, sir. We can round her up before she gets out of the harbor with this little job, sir. All right, aboard with you. Yep. Come on, Skip. Yeah, coming up. Oh, a nice solid deck, too. I'll give you a hand, Major. Oh, I don't need it. Oh, thanks, just the same. All right, Commander, let's go. Belay there! Up the spray line! Captain Friday, we've got two or three minutes before we get near enough the steamer to signal. I want to know what this is all about. I think I can put the whole thing together if you'll tell us how you got away from Marmaduke Island alive. Well, as you remember, we landed on the island, and I left you and Skip Turner here hidden near the shoreline. Yeah, for three hours. Yes, well, things went wrong. I was supposed to go inland to a trapper's cabin and pick up the girl. Judith Fry? Yes. Instead, I was taken prisoner. I had an army GI watching the cabin to be sure the girl was kept there until I could arrive. Was she a prisoner in the cabin? Yes, being held by a couple of pretty rough characters. We'd located the cabin, and my soldier was watching the yeah, place. Yeah, but if you wanted the girl, why didn't you take Captain Friday and me in with you? We could have stormed the place. I couldn't do that. That had given my whole show away. I'm up here to break up a smuggling and kidnap ring. So that's what we're up against, huh? Well, isn't it pretty obvious? They got away with Judith Wright, didn't they? But if you were going to kidnap her by yourself... Well, you see, I'm known in these parts. You and Skip Turner aren't. I knew that the next depot in the smuggling chain was here in Port Lancer. I wanted to get the girl in your hands and have you deliver her here. I thought you, as strangers, might spot the hideout here quicker than I could. The gang on this end might even come out in the open thinking you were the men who were supposed to deliver Miss Wright here. Oh, but the plan didn't come off, huh? No. I was made a prisoner. The soldier on guard saw it happen. He dashed in and grabbed up the girl and got out of the cabin. He thought you was dead. Well, they yelled to him that they'd kill me unless he brought the girl back. But I ordered him to keep running. Well, he arrived where we were with a knife blade between his shoulder blades. Yeah. Well, one of the kidnappers was a French-Canadian knife thrower. When he ran out of the cabin with a knife in his hand, I was afraid of what was going to happen. Uh. But the boy made it, and we got the girl to the mainland where we left the horses. We rode into Port Lancer, stopped at the livery stable. By the way, that Scotch livery stableman is one of the gang. Good. We'll pick him up. How do you know? <laughs> he slugged me. I didn't hit hard enough. When he lured Skip here into the stable, I'd come around and I clipped him instead. That wasn't very clever of him. No, but it did distract our attention long enough to give the girl a break. She made the most of it. You mean she ran away when you were in the stable? Yeah. Luckily, we came to in time to see her running in the direction of the forest. We followed her to her cabin. Not the cabin of that East Indian hobbit. That's the cabin. Hey, hey, we're drawn up on a steamer. Look how much brighter our lights are. Yeah, only a minute or two longer now. Now, go on, Captain. Now, we looked in the window and saw a hobbit putting the girl into a casket. Ah, oh, that's how they've been shipping human beings into the United States. United States? Certainly. Any unwelcome character who wanted to slip into the United States could do it by paying $1,000 to this underground smuggling ring. But, Major Lawrence, Judith Wright ain't headed for the United States. Well, she thinks she is. She paid $1,000 to be taken in. I wondered if it wasn't something like that. You mean they'd play a dirty trick like that? Uh, take 1000 bucks from a girl to, to slip her into the U.S. and then... And then when she put herself in their hands, ship her off to the Bay of Bengal slave market. Why not? That way they collect double. Well, if that ain't a low-down dirty trick. 
Ah, good. The commander's signaling for the steamer to pull up. Now well, the steamship seems to want to argue. Doesn't want to be stopped in midstream. Hey, we got a machine gun aboard. Look, Cap, the commander's pulling the cover off of it. Yeah, he'll use it too, unless the master of that craft heaves to and in a hurry. You'll give him one more chance. And that's the last chance. Yeah. Well, the captain of the steamer's given in. That means he's going to wait for us. Good work, Commander. I'll have a word with the master of that craft for trying to brush us off. He can't do that. <laughs> Go ahead, Commander. Take him apart. We'll run up alongside now. And keep a civil tongue in your head. Well, why did you say so, mister? All right. Hi, up. Come aboard. All right, Major. Up the ladder with you. Thanks, Commander. All right behind me, Captain Friday. You too, Skip. Yeah, right with you, Major. All right. Up we go. Hey, this ain't no... Cannery boat, Captain. Yeah. I was mistaken. How much further? The major's up. Here I go over the rail. All right, over with you, Skip. Yeah. This man says he's the master of this ship, Captain Friday. How do you do, sir? Name's Hanson. If I'd had any idea it was a government boat chasing us, I'd have pulled around before. What's your destination, Captain Hanson? South Pacific, Indian Ocean, Bay of Bengal. Certainly. All the ports around the bay. There's nothing underhanded about that. My clearance papers Don't worry. That... I think you've got a passenger aboard. Yes, we carry supercargo when there is any. This man's an East Indian. Name of Abid. Yes, I I have such passengers. Mind taking us to him? Certainly not. He has the number two captain to the starboard. Uh, just a minute, Hanson. Hi, Major. Captain Friday and Skip Turner can get Abid. I want a little talk with you. I hope all this isn't going to take too long. If I miss the high tide, I'm not going to get across the bar tonight. Well, that depends on you. Go ahead, Captain Friday. Okay, Major. Come on, Skip. Huh. What's that all about, Captain? Why the private conversation? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if Major Lawrence suspected Hanson's in this underground blackbirding deeper than he pretends. You mean this ship's part of the smuggling deal? Hanson could be in it all the way. Or he may be the unknowing instrument. After all, even Major Lawrence didn't suspect Judith Wright was in that casket. Sure. Just a dead Chinese being returned to his ancestors. Yeah. Uh-oh. This is the cabin. Yeah, number two, all right. Who is it? Message from Captain Hanson. Open up. What is the message? Don't be a fool. I'm not going to shout it through a locked door. The ship is not moving. Why is that? There's trouble in the engine room. Engine room? Yeah. We got to make repairs before we cross the bar out into the open ocean. So that is the reason. Yeah, now open the door. I got an urgent message from Captain Hanson. Who are you? Second mate, hurry up. I got to get back on duty. You wait outside here, Skip. He's going to pull a fast one. Okay. You walk into something, I'm here to get you out. Here I go. Yes? 
come in, Mr. Mate. You got your lights off. I always get seasick. I am lying in my berth. I think it helps me if I keep my cabin dark. You got up to unlock the door? I just barely made it. I am very sick, so close the door and deliver your message. I'd much prefer to have a little light on the subject. If you please. I don't please. I want light. So, it is not the second mate at all. It is the Captain Friday. Yeah, and that's a lot of hooey about you being seasick. Telling me you were in your berth and all the time you're standing there waiting to wallop me over the skull when I stepped into the cabin. How did you get aboard the ship? You'd better forget about trying to escape, Bobbin. There's a government patrol boat alongside. Ah, you must be insane. I have no wish or reason to try to get away. Don't give me any of that. You got a white girl down in the hold of this ship in a coffin. Maybe you'd like to prove that? I don't have to. Major Lawrence saw the casket taken aboard this craft left port. Perhaps the Major was mistaken. What kind of mischief are you heading at now? Do you think for one minute, Captain Friday, that we did not anticipate just this? You don't suppose we're such fools as to be caught with a girl stowaway? What are you saying? But of course, naturally, if we did have a girl in a coffin on the ship, it would be so arranged that the whole business could be jettisoned into the bay. Are you saying you threw Judith right into the bay? If she was ever aboard, it would be the thing to do, wouldn't it? With plenty of way to send her and the casket to the bottom quickly. Skip, come here quick. Right behind you, Captain. You hear what Ovid's been saying? Yeah, you want us to wring his neck. I've got both you men covered. The first one to make a move. Get him, Skip! You bet, you! takes care of friend Abed. Yeah, she got him right on the point of the jaw. And that's not all he's going to get if they threw Judith right overboard, nailed in that coffin. What happened to Judith Wright? Why did she give herself into the hands of these unscrupulous men? Okay, down the ladder into the hold of the ship. Yep. Yeah. Coming, Skip? Yeah, I'm coming down. Careful. It's a 20-foot fall if you lose your grip. Yeah, 20 feet down into darkness. Hey, don't come so fast. You're stepping on my fingers. Well, I'm just trying to keep with you. I thought the Major come down with us. He's got a job bringing a confession out of the ship's captain. He and the commander will have the whole story by the time we clean up down here. Oh, then they did arrest him, huh? Whole ship's under arrest for smuggling and kidnapping and blackbirding. All right, I'm down. Watch it. I'm down, too. But I might as well be in a coal bin for all I can see. I got a couple of flashlights. Borrowed them off of Captain Hansen here. Oh, thanks. Hey, they really give off a light. Mm. Mm, ship's got a pretty good cargo here. Mm. All right, look here. Cases of canned fish, bales of cured skins and furs. This end down here seems to be loaded with cedar logs. Looks like there was a little bit of everything down here. Yeah, everything but Judith Wright's coffin. Mm. Wait a minute. Listen. Sounds like something's loose. There is. Let's see if we can locate it. Yeah, but if we're looking for Judith Wright... It's all Wright's... over this way somewhere. 
Hey, here it is, over this way. Hey, Captain Friday, come here. What is it, Skip? Hey, there's a hatch open. No kidding, and right outside's the ocean. Then Abed meant what he said. They did dump the coffin and girl into the bay. Oh, the dirty skunks. They drowned Judith like a rat just to hide evidence against themselves. Didn't even take time to close the hatch again. They must have been rushed. Probably threw her overboard when they heard the launch whistle to heave to. Oh, and it's to Christmas, Cappy. I've never felt so rotten about anything. Poor kid in that casket with the lid screwed down. Please, huh? do not feel so bad. Hey. If I've given you any anger... Judith right. What are you doing down here in the hold of this ship? You're... You're angry with me? But you're supposed to be in that coffin at the bottom of the harbor. Yes. It's not my fault I'm not. I I have a friend. On this ship? Yes, down here in the hole. He, he's a stowaway. Where is he? Oh, Houlihan. Please, it's all right to come out. Oh, Houlihan, huh? Uh, they don't mind if you're a stowaway. Ah, oh, there you are. Yeah, I've been sure now you shouldn't have given me away. But you have nothing to fear from Captain Friday and Skip Turner. This is O'Houlihan, Captain Friday. Hello, O'Houlihan. And the same to you, mister. Now, and what's been going on here? Well, as the little lady here says, I'm a stowaway. You sure picked yourself a sweet ship to hide out on. Well, you can't be pickish. <laughs> Ain't many ships come up this way anymore. Take what you can get. Okay. So you stowed aboard this craft. What then? Well, I overheard Captain Hansen and that East India feller, Abed. <laughs> I heard him talking. Yeah? Yeah. He was down here. They put that their coffin right up next to that hatch there. And Abed told the captain that if there was any sign of trouble, the hatch was to be opened and the coffin dumped overboard. Yeah? Mm. And then they went away. Go on. Well, being a curious cuss, I kept wondering what was in the coffin that they didn't want the police to know about. And so you unscrewed the lid? Yeah, I reckon I did. And you can imagine my surprise when out pops the little lady here. <laughs> she was kind of mad at me at first, well, though. I, I thought he was spoiling the whole thing. You hadn't heard the conversation about dumping you? No, I... I'd heard nothing, but when O'Hullahan told me what they might do to me, I, I got out of the coffin quick, but yes. Well, I think O'Hullahan ought to get a decoration. Oh, yes, so do I, because we'd hardly filled the coffin up with two sacks of flour and screwed the lid down again when we heard a boat whistle. We heard someone coming down into the hole. We rushed over here and, and opened the hatch and threw the casket into the water. It, it's a miracle I'm alive. You're telling us. And all because you were such an obstinate young woman. All because you insisted on putting yourself in the hands of these unscrupulous men. Yes, I know that now. But I was so anxious to get into the United States. It was so necessary that I reach my friends who are in the United States. Sister, did you think you was headed for the USA? Yes, for, for Seattle. <laughs> well, then wouldn't you have been surprised when you woke up and found yourself in one of the Bay of Bengal ports? being sold as a slave girl to some second-rate Malaya potentate. You're, you're fooling me. Well, ask Captain Friday. Captain Friday? They would not have done such a thing. I, I can't Skip's believe... Skip's telling that... you exactly where you were headed for. But I paid that Mr. English and Mr. Abbott a thousand dollars to get me into the United States. Then you got exactly what was coming to you. Don't you know there's only one safe way to get into the United States, and that's on a passport? That's the awful thing. I have no country anymore. I have no passport. There's no way for me to enter legally, even for a short time. All the friends I have are into America. Uh, she's a refugee from Norway, she was telling me. Yes, my parents were killed. I escaped the enemy through Sweden, Finland, and then Russia. I've been almost two years crossing Russia. And then for a price, a, a Russian pilot flew me over to Alaska. Where in Alaska? It was... 
Fairbanks. That's where you made your first contact with the Blackbirders? Blackbirders? Yeah, that's what they call men who smuggle human cargo. Oh, yes, it was in Fairbanks. Major Lawrence will be interested in that. Major Lawrence? But, but you told me he was killed. I thought he was. He's alive enough, though. Up on deck now, questioning the captain and Abbott. The whole ship's under arrest by order of the United States government. Oh, it is now. Uh, well, what does that make me? That puts you in a mess, O'Houlihan. Yeah, well, I've been in a mess most of my life. So one more ain't going to kill me, I guess. I don't think you're in half the trouble you'd have been in if you'd been caught by Captain Hansen. He'd have thrown you to the sharks, and that would have been the end of O'Houlihan. But to get back to you, Judah, that was a dirty trick you pulled at the livery stable, letting the captain here and me get clipped over the head while you beat it for the cabin in the woods. I, I was so anxious to get to America. I... I knew I was with good men when I was with you, but I tried so hard and so long to get to America. I, I just couldn't give up when I was so near. How did you know to go to Ovid's cabin? I was told on Marmaduke Island. I was told that if anything went wrong, I was to contact Mr. Ovid at that cabin in the woods. Uh-huh. Well, for everybody concerned, it's a good thing that old Scotch livery stable owner didn't knock out skipping me the way he was supposed to. Oh, yes. I... That time when I knew you'd followed me to the cabin, I was very angry with you, which I apologize now. At this moment, I, I'm most happy to have you here. Well, you ought to be, sister. You ought to get right down on your knees, Captain Frank. Cut it out, Skip. But what is to become of me now? I, I have no place to go. I have no home, no people. Yeah, that's bad. For months and months, I, I've been putting all my hope on finding refuge in your beloved United States. Sometimes it's kept me from freezing to death, sometimes from starving. Just remembering that sometime, sometime I would be safe in America. And, and now look at me. Now there's no hope. Yeah, sure now it's a dead burned blazing outrage. That's what it is. We're going up on deck. I, I'm under arrest. That depends on Major Lawrence. You too, old man. Mm-hmm, that it suits me. Air down here in the hold of this ship's beginning to get on me nerves anyhow. Come on over to the ladder. Okay. I'll go up first. Miss Wright, you follow me. Yes. Is it, is it far? About a 20-foot climb. Just hang on tight. You'll be all right. Uh, I'm glad it's dark. Oh, hold a hand. You follow up the ladder right after Miss Wright. I will, Ed. Skip, you bring up the rear. Okay. Here I go. All right. Come on, Miss Wright. Uh, oh, yes. If only the boat didn't sway and bounce, so... You next, O'Houlihan. Yep, yep, I'm right on the little lady's heels. Yeah, and I'm right after you. Okay, we're all on the ladder, Captain. Okay, Skip. It's almost over, Miss Wright. You all right? Yes. It's not too bad. I'm going up through the hatch now. Wait till I get on deck and I'll give you a hand. All right, now give me a hand. Reach up. Oh, it, it's so dark. That's it. Uh, now, up oh, with you. Oh, don't let go of me. Oh. Hey, oh. safe on deck. Oh. Here I come now. Oh, man, oh, man. Don't that fresh air smell good. Phew. There, everybody's up. Oh, who's there? Is that you, Commander? Oh, it's you, Captain Friday. What do you got with you? Uh, here now, turn, turn that blame flashlight out of the eyes. Well, if it isn't O'Houlihan. What are you doing on this craft, Irish? 
Oh, now, is that you, Commander? You don't know who it is, all right. He was a stowaway. I think we owe him a vote of gratitude. Yeah? Yeah. Turn your flash over on the girl. Girl? Why, this is the girl who's supposed to be at the bottom of a bay in a casket. Yes. It's because of O'Houlihan here that I'm alive. O'Houlihan overheard the plot to dump her if the authorities showed up. He opened the casket, filled it with sacks of flour. O'Houlihan, you're all right. Commander, do you feel sick? (laughs) I've been patrolling these coasts for ten years. O'Houlihan and I had a lot of trouble in that time. He's a thief and a poacher and an old good bum. But saving this girl's life makes up for a lot of it. I, I'm that important. You bet. Miss Wright, you can give the United States government a line on this whole underground blackbirding setup. You can point out the various depots where they hid you out. Yes, I, I can do that. You do, and I don't think there's anything Major Lawrence won't do for you. Anything? Yeah. He spent two years and lost a lot of good men trying to round up these smugglers. You help him break up the ring, and he'll go all the way with you. Who would he? Do you suppose What Miss Wright's trying to say, Commander, her country's in the hands of the enemy. Her relatives have been killed. She spent two years trying to get into the United States. Oh, yes. Do you suppose Major Lawrence will will let me in? Will he help me to do what's necessary? I bet he will. Where is the Major now? In the captain's cabin. Still trying to break down the captain of the ship and that East Indian. They won't talk? Uh, You've got enough to hang a lot of them now, but we need definite evidence for the courts. I should think if we sprung Miss Wright on him. Hey, sure. They think she's at the bottom of the bay. Come along. This is the door. I'll open it and you step in, Miss Wright. But yes. But I tell you, Major Lawrence, I do not know of any such girl as Judith Wright. If she is on board this craft... And I am on board this craft, Mr. Abbott. (gasps) Miss Wright... Where did you come from? You ugly, wicked, unprincipled person. You took a thousand dollars from me, and then you kidnapped me. And then you tried to drown me. This is too bad. This is the end. Major Lawrence, I can tell you every underground depot where these men kept me, from Alaska to Port Lancer, I would gladly help you. If you do that, Miss Wright, I think you won the friendship of the United States government. Those are good words. That's what I've wanted you to say. More than anything, I wish to be friends with the great government of the United States. And so Judith Wright ended her misguided flight from Norway to Port Lancer, finally made her peace with this government, and was given shelter from the desperation and violence of her homeland. And now she is a citizen. A coffin for the lady is a Carlton E. Morse production. And another in the series of Adventures by Morse. That's a coffin for the lady, the deepest grave in the world, on Adventures by Morse. From April 1st, 1944. In a moment, I'll reveal what's coming up on the next Mystery Theatre. Be sure to join me next time on Mystery Theatre when we'll hear Escape, Philo Vance, Detective, and The Crime Club. This is your host, Christopher Lee, saying thanks for tuning in. 
You've been listening to Mystery Theater with your host, Christopher Lee. The producers of Mystery Theater wish to thank this station and Radio Spirits for helping make this series possible. This copyrighted radio series is written by Dennis Etchison. Jim McCants speaking. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.